Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, May the 4th, 2023. It is currently 2.11 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. I know you're not going to believe this, but in this studio, I received not just one, but two apologies. That may be one of the first times that has ever happened in the history of broadcasting. I can think of a one other time where I received a very heartfelt apology. So if I, if I, if I, if I really try to think about it, if I really try to think about it and all of the years of broadcasting and I've received some nasty emails. I mean, you, I, I could go into, I've received death threats. I've been called names. I've re, and, and all from, of course, professing Christians. I've never had atheists. I've never been treated as bad by atheists as I have from fellow professing Christians. Atheists, agnostics, even those in the homosexual community, LGBT community, I've always been treated with kindness and respect. Christians utter just vile, like just insane at times. That's crazy. But in all of my years of broadcasting, I'm trying to count. I think I have received... Maybe four, maybe five apologies. No more than five. And, uh, and, but for in this situation, I've received two apologies from the same person. Okay. So two apologies from the same person. And well, I'm going to, I'm not going to go through their entire apology because when someone apologizes, I think that that's a little bit more personal. So I don't necessarily want to read, to, to read all of it. I may try to, I may try to just kind of skim it and, and kind of paraphrase some of it. I think when someone opens and, and is vulnerable and, and, and apologizes, it's not for me to now, you know, read that and, and, and share that. But let me explain what happened. I don't even remember. In fact, let me look at the date. Let me look at the date because I don't want to give, you know, wrong information here. I don't want to give wrong information here. Let's look at the date. Um, how, how many, let me see. I'm, I'm, I'm on the church one app. How, how long, in fact, I'll just go to series. I'll just go to series. Okay. We, we have a series called Solomon and hermeneutics. We have a series called Solomon and hermeneutics. Well, no, it wouldn't even be in that series. Yeah, I forgot. It all started in the Today's Focus. Where was it? Let me see here. Um, oh, yes. On uh, April the 25th, April the 25th, 2023, I did a Today's Focus episode entitled Song of Solomon. It was such a simple idea. I thought it was, I thought it was, you know, very simple, elegant. It would, it would make everyone happy. You know, um, I realized that Charles Haddon Spurgeon in his very famous devotional morning and evening had done a devotional on the Song of Solomon, chapter two, Song of Solomon, chapter two, and I believe it was verse 10, Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse 10. This was the passage, my beloved spake. And said unto me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. 
And Charles Haddon Spurgeon took that verse from the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10, and my beloved, that supposedly Christ, spake un, uh, uh, my beloved spake and said unto me, that's me, the individual Christian, rise up my love, uh, and to rise up means to rise up from worldliness, to rise up from spiritual apathy, um, and come away. And I am to come away with my beloved. I'm to come away with Christ. And it says, I'm to rise up and set my affections on him above all these earthly things. That's pretty much how Charles Haddon Spurgeon handled it. I know that's a paraphrase, a big time paraphrase and a big time cliff note version. But that's what Charles Haddon Spurgeon, how he handled the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. So I thought, what would be great for today's focus? Hey, guys, your focus today is Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10, and, and how Spurgeon handled it. He handled it as an allegory, as a metaphor. He didn't handle it in a literal way. Hey, guys, is that the right way to handle the Song of Solomon? Many people handle it, handle it in an allegorical way, but if you take it the allegorical way and go verse by verse by verse, it kind of begins to fall apart. Not only does it fall apart, it gets really weird, right? It gets really weird, especially if you look in church history. Like all of a sudden, the two breasts of the woman, well, that's simply an illustration of the Old and New Testament. Like what in the world are you talking? It gets really odd. So I think that if you try to run uh, the allegorical interpretation of the Song of Solomon, that it works for certain verses. But if you continue verse by verse, it gets odd, it gets weird, it gets uncomfortable, and it falls apart. So I told everyone, hey, take the allegorical approach for your today's focus and just go through the whole book. Just go through the Song of Solomon verse by verse and then see, and then you can just kind of make a little chart if you want, you know, allegorical approach, literal approach. How does it work? I didn't even go through all the different methods of interpretation that's been offered. I didn't do anything. It was more just kind of like, hey, your today's focus is this little exercise, right? So what was I looking for? People to actually do the exercise Go through the whole book and try to see which verses fit a literal, which verses fit an allegorical, and what problems you encounter. And then I told you to email me, right? So I I, th- I thought it was what a wonderful idea, right? Getting people to look into the Song of Solomon, giving them a little homework. My job is done. That's because the today's focus is not about an extended exposition of a book or a passage. It's very devotional. It's very conversational. And it's really just like, hey, hey, come here. Oh, it's almost like you're, you're, you're drive, you're going through the drive through window and you're like, and I, and you pull up and like, what, what do you need today? Well, I need a little bit of spiritual food that I can focus on and eat from throughout the day. Well, here you go. I've got some right here. The today's focus. Here's your order. Here's the Song of Solomon chapter two, verse 10, allegorical versus literal. Okay, go ahead. Have a great day. And you drive away and you've got it right there in your bag. And throughout the day, you can pull out the Song of Solomon. That, that's the way it's supposed to be. And I've explained what the Today's Focus podcast series is about a thousand times, right? And you know it's a Today's Focus episode because of the theme music, okay? You, and I even say your Today's Focus is. So clearly there's no way to misconstrue what I'm trying to do. Well, I did that. And someone was extremely unhappy with my approach. They were very bothered. In fact, I think it would be safe to say they were extremely critical of, I guess, 
what they perceived to be what I was demanding to be the way the book should be interpreted, even though I didn't really demand it. I really said, hey, you go do it. I didn't really say I, I, I may have challenged the allegorical approach, but I didn't necessarily like go all in. I really I, I gave everyone the opportunity to do it for themselves. So if you were like if you're someone who's like full blown allegory for the Song of Solomon, what I, I perceive you should be like, well, he challenged his listeners to go try to do the allegorical method on it. Well, since it's the most obvious interpretation, all of his listeners, when they're done, they're going to be like, well, Song of Solomon is an allegory. I mean, like, if you believe that's the right way, I literally challenge people to do it. So you think people would be happy. But for some weird reason, they almost, I felt they perceived me the enemy. And the email that I received, I felt was full of attacks. I felt that way. And so not to misconstrue said email, not to misinterpret or to be accused of ripping in any of it out of context, because I could have just copied specific lines from the email and read those specific lines. I did, I believe it was two hours of of walking through the email. I believe it was two hours where we walked through it. I'm going to go back to the series um, on Song of Solomon and Hermeneutics. Um, Yeah, Song of Solomon Disagreement, part one, part two. Song of Solomon Disagreement, part one, part two. I spent two hours going through the email. That to me is showing some level of respect. I mean, I didn't just, I could have just been dismissive and just not even, I could have just ignored the email. I hope people know that when you email me, I am under no contractual obligation to respond, to read, or to engage. I try my best to do that, but there's no rule saying I have to. So the fact that I took two hours out of my day, my night, to go line by line through the email, I was trying to demonstrate that I was taking the criticisms seriously and I was trying to work through them, or at least I I, I did my very best. And I was very frustrated. By the time I get to the end of that second hour, you can hear in my voice, I become much more agitated, much more frustrated, and probably a little bit more sarcastic because I, because I just felt that the whole, the whole situation was ridiculous. Like the person didn't email me and say, Hey, I went through the entire book. Here is how I, I make the allegorical method work. No, it was just basically you're wrong. And it's like, okay, well, thank you for participating, but I didn't ask you to email me and tell me I was wrong. I asked you to email me and work through the entire book, utilizing the allegorical method and seeing how it holds up or doesn't hold up. Like that, that, that really wasn't, I, I wasn't asking for people to email me and tell me I was wrong. I, I never was my <laughs> intention. So I, I thought I was very fair, but I was very agitated. And I figured I was never going to hear from the person again. I figured that it was a closed chapter and that we may come back and do some work on the Song of Solomon. I kept working on it. I did two hours of overview of the Song of Solomon, and I even ended by offering what I think is a very unique and biblical and textual interpretation of the book. I think I offered one that's rather profound. I thought it was going to spark. This is what's bizarre. 
my today's focus sparked email hate, or at least I felt like it, okay? Um, my interpretation of the book almost was met with a resounding silence. A few people emailed me and it's like, well, when I really offered an interpretation, everybody goes quiet. When I didn't even try to offer an interpretation, people were upset. It's so weird. Like either my interpretation was so good that it silenced everyone, but um, I, I I don't know. Sometimes just trying to understand people's interaction with you is is you need a college degree to figure it out. But I did receive two emails from the individual who wrote the original email apologizing, all right? Now, you may ask why there is two. Well, the first one, and I copied and paid, I copied these into my notes. Um, the first one, I, the, the, I get, they felt... They felt that I made them sound uh, worse than a, a basically a superhero villain. I, that I made them, I turned them into some kind of comic book villain. I, I, look, put it this way: if I, if anyone felt that I took the original email and turned the emailer into some kind of villain, let's. I, I want to just make sure for my own defense. I read every word of the email, right? So I, I did not take. I mean, I could have cut and paid. I could have taken statements from the email. And I think I could have made the person sound really, 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 really bad. But I read every single word, meaning that the listener had every ability to go, hmm, what you're saying about the email is not what I'm picking up from the email. Most of the people who emailed me after that was kind of like that email was messed up and that was unfair. I think most people did not feel that way. But if anyone felt that I was unfair to the original email, I will state this. I sincerely apologize. I thought I was trying to be fair with the email by reading every word of it. That, to me, demonstrated I was trying to be fair. Like, I read the words that were sent to me. And if those words were not directed at me, then I don't know why the email was sent to me. Right? So... Um, so they said, they said, um, apparently because I had strong opinions on a topic, this was interpreted as being angry and furious with you, insulting you as silly, disingenuous, blind, and dead faith and practically unsaved. Uh, but those are the words that you used, silly, disingenuous, blind, dead faith, <laughs> You were emailing me like who were you? were you were you emailing me about some other third party out there? Those people out there are silly, disingenuous, blind and dead faith. You were using those words to describe people. I don't know who possibly held the same way of interpreting the book as I do. That would include me with them. So, I mean, if it wasn't a personal attack against me, was it, a, it had to be a personal attack against someone. And if it wasn't towards me, then go apologize to the person that was being personally attacked. Like, I, I, that, it, the whole thing is just weird. So then they, 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 uh, I guess were kind of bothered that I criticized the length of the email. I wasn't trying to criticize the length of the email. I just didn't understand what I had done that would facilitate the need to write such a long email. They perceived it not to be so long. I perceived it to be long considering what I was asking people to do was to run basically an interpretational exercise 
on the Song of Solomon to see how it worked. So I guess I perceived it like it was very long considering the email contained none of what I actually asked for. Um, so I, they, they go on to say here, all right, uh, they do apologize uh, that uh, that I they're sorry that I took my disagreement this way and they did not intend it that way. Uh, just because I was passionate about a certain interpretation, maybe my words became too personal or strong, but I honestly think you are extra- extrapolating meaning beyond what my words conveyed. Now, I find that funny. Hey, you're, you're going beyond what my words actually said. Well, it wasn't that what we were arguing about the Song of Solomon, that I felt the allegorical method Oh, wait, goes way beyond what the words actually say. I mean, I find that kind of ironic. Hey, you were taking my words and you were not being very literal with my words. But hey, the Song of Solomon, we don't have to be literal with it. I find that a little bit ironic. I mean, come on. You got to laugh a little bit, right? Hey, you're extrapolating meanings and my words that were not intended. But with the Song of Solomon... Hey, we can just say, that's Jesus, and that's the Old and New Testament, and that's, wait a minute, wait a minute, are are we not extrapolating? Isn't it funny how sometimes people want you to be very literal with their words, but they won't be so literal with the words of Scripture? I I find that a little bit ironic. Um, It says, now, uh, because a position might seem illogical to me or someone seems blind to that position, it does not thereby follow. I'm just raking them all over the coals or calling them completely unsaved and blind and all things. Okay, well, I I don't know if I ever said that someone said that your email said I was blind in all things, but you definitely seem to say that I was blind, silly, disingenuous, and that my interpretation was the fruit of basically a dead faith. I don't know how you interpret those words since they were sent to me. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, so they, they go on and they say a lot of other, they say a lot of other things, but then they, the main thing is they emailed me after and says, I am convicted over this interp- this interaction. And my last apology did not feel like it was everything it should be. And right there, I want to thank them for that sincerely. Because the first email, I, to be honest, I was just kind of like, really? I mean, so like, what do I do? What do I do? And so I'm like, I'm not going to respond. Cause, because clearly there was still disagreement. Clearly you could still hear a little bit of frustration. Clearly. And it's like, do I do, what do I do? I like, you know, like they want me to take those words literal, but they, like they can't see the irony in that, in that. So the whole thing was a little frustrating. But they emailed me later. And, and I think the second email went to my spam folder. And the first one went to my normal folder, which is weird. I get the one that was probably not, the one that would probably have just sparked more controversy went to the one, went to the email inbox, which I was going to see first. And I had to go looking for the second one in the spam folder. I have no idea why my email did that, but I'm glad I looked in my spam folder because this one was very, 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 very genuine, humble, heartfelt, and I and I was blown away. They say, I'm convicted over this interaction, and, and my last apology didn't feel like it was everything it should be. I honestly, honestly can say I had no intention of disrespecting and insulting you, but I can see how I was unkind in the way I phrased things. I feel terrible over the stress I've caused you and that you feel slighted, and I'm genuinely sorry. I'm still working through my own pride and repenting of it. Well, let me say, I'm still working through my own pride, and I'm still trying to repent of it. 
So uh, we are in the same page. I completely accept the apology. It's over. It's forgiven, done, never to be brought back up, and we can move on. They go on to say a lot of other nice things here. Um, they say, I hope, uh, and their last, their last sentence is, I hope this can be put behind us with no hard feelings. I've had people hold things against me before, and it's very, it's a t- pretty terrible feeling. Well, I don't hold things against people. I do my, well, put it this way. I can't say that. I'm a human being with a sinful nature. Clearly, I can hold things against people. But my normal way of handling things is, uh, is just, it's over. And I just kind of move on. I just kind of move on. So um, now what I have a tendency to do, I, I can't really say what I have a tendency to do is just move on and just never look back. Like, like I don't even like, okay, you did that to me. It's forgiven. But like, I'm just done with like, I don't, I want, I don't want a relationship. I don't want to ever talk to the person. Again. I just move on with my life. It's not that I hold it against them. I'm just done. I just move on. But in this particular case, please email me anytime, 24-7. Um, any, any, any time you want about anything. And uh, I, as always, I hope you saw, I hope, I hope I did d- demonstrate this. I took your email seriously enough that I spent four plus hours, not only trying to address your interpretive perspective, but offering up five, maybe six other possible ways of interpreting the book and then trying to argue for a specific one based off history, context, and language. I don't think most programs would dedicate basically six hours of work to someone's email. I may not have handled it the best. I definitely got frustrated. I definitely got upset. I definitely was agitated. Um, because I just felt like I did nothing to deserve what happened. But hey, it's over. I just hope that somehow through this, that more light came to how to approach the Song of Solomon. More understanding came from And even if people, when they're done listening to this entire drama, they know now that there are multiple ways of interpreting the book. They know the pros and cons of interpreting it that way. And they now have been offered a brand new way of interpreting the book. They probably have never heard of ever anywhere. And I owe all of that to you who sent the original email. Because the original email, even though it was frustrating and agitating, led to obviously us giving more time to the Song of Solomon than probably has been dedicated to the book, and especially in a long time from me. Now, we have worked at it uh, on it at Victory Baptist Church in the past, but I think everyone, I hope everyone has benefited from it. We're still not done. We're going to review some sermons on the Song of Solomon still. We're still going to do some other little things, maybe some other little exercises on the book. We, we're still not done. We'll be adding to the series for, uh, you know, a little while to come. But I have to, I'm going to thank the emailer, the original emailer for the first email, even though as frustrating as it was, and I felt not fair and and I do believe it was, uh, there was some issues with it. It sparked all of this, which is a good thing. So I'm going to see it as a good thing. And to top it off, you come back and offer a very sincere and humble apology. That's awesome. And I wish as Christians, we could do more of that. I just, I just wish all Christians would understand whatever interpretation you hold to. I, look, this is just, 
I don't know how we process this in real time. I really don't. But this is the reality that every Christian has to come to grips with. Christians don't agree on anything. I say that all the time. Christians get mad when I say it. They roll their eyes. They get irritated. But Christians don't agree on the word repentance for crying out loud. Christians don't agree on the word disciple. Is a disciple the same thing as a Christian or is a disciple something other than a Christian? There's disagreement. There's disagreement on the word baptism. There is disagreement on salvation. Semi-Pelagian, Pelagian, Arminian, Calvin. We can go on and on and on and on. There is disagreements about how hermeneutics. Nobody agrees on what hermeneutical method is the right one. Nobody. There is disagreements on literally everything. So when you hold to an interpretation and you're like, I'm right, just realize (laughs) there's 2,000 years of church history where there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people saying, no, you're wrong. We, We get so convinced. And I don't know how old the emailer is. If they're young, look, I understand I used to be younger and had a completely different perspective on a lot of this stuff. Because I used to be like, look, there's this is the interpretation. It's right. Everybody else is wrong. But then you realize, well, wait a minute. Everyone thinks they're right. Everyone thinks, and I know what you're saying. That sounds like you're almost arguing for like a relativistic that you can have your truth and I can have my truth. I'm not arguing for that. I think that there should only be one interpretation and only one is right. The problem is everyone thinks they're right. And after 2000 years, we're no closer to figuring out which one is right. But I will still argue for a certain method of interpretation. I will still argue for hermeneutical principles. And I don't apologize for that. I'm not going to approach the text in some emotional way. I'm going to approach it in a very academic way because it uses words. Words have to be understood. Reading comprehension, definition, context, syntax, historical background, all of the things that are required to understand anything of a written nature. And I don't apologize. You can say, well, that, that takes away the, the love or the, or whatever. I, well, you can have great zeal and that great zeal can lead you actually up away from correct knowledge. I can't let my zeal blind me to knowledge. I need my knowledge to be the basis of my zeal. Right? Because then if I have correct knowledge, then I can have correct zeal. If I have great zeal, but wrong knowledge, then it's zeal without knowledge, which is a wrong kind of zeal. But I know this, whenever we're arguing and fighting for doctrinal and theological truth, what value is it if we're doctrinally and theologically right, but we're burning everything down around us? We're like, hey, I've got this theology right, but I'm, I'm, I, I am hurting people. I'm violating this scripture. Like sometimes we have to stop and look at our own lives. Like I, like I can fight for a lot of things theologically and I do, but I always have to be constantly reminded of just how, how much I still struggle in my own life and how many sins I still deal with. Like, you know, in the process of trying to be theologically right, we can't violate scripture like love people, love your enemy kind, passionate, put others before yourself. Like we can't forget that as well, right? There's got to be a balance in there. 
but I, I, I don't, I rarely get apologies sent to me. So I'm very moved by it. I'm very grateful for it. I'm very thankful for it. And I'm very much appreciative of you taking the time to do that because I know you're probably busy. You got a million things going on. And I just wanted to, on the air, let everyone know because, because rarely in Christianity did these stories end in a positive way. So I want everyone to know that this, the first email that I was so frustrated with led to, I think, a great study on the Song of Solomon, not a verse-by-verse exposition, but leading us to a way of interpreting the book that's radically different than anybody else is ever going to suggest. And all of that happened because of the first email. And then to add to that benefit, we get an apology, two apologies. And the second one is heartfelt and humble and godly. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful. And guess what? It also humbles me because it makes me then question how I handled everything. So in any way that I mishandled anything, in any way you felt that I misrepresented your words, in any way, shape, or form you felt that I was too mean or too harsh, please accept my sincere apology. And I hope you will forgive me and hopefully that we can just move on. And hopefully you'll still listen to the podcast. If not, I completely understand. There are other podcasts that will definitely approach the book far more the way you want it approached. They may be much more in line with your doctrine and your theology. And uh, by all means, I hope you find them and they are a great spiritual benefit to you. If you keep listening, hopefully there's something I do that will prove to be beneficial and helpful. But to anyone, feel free to email me anytime. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. The Song of Solomon. Five, six different ways of interpreting the book. Clearly, some people are very passionate about a specific, specific way of interpreting it. I've offered a unique one. If you don't want to, if you, if you say you're new to this series, go listen to the Song of Solomon Overview Part 2. You say, oh, do I need part one? Part two, I get to my way of interpreting the book. And then you can let me know. You can email me and tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful day. God bless.